Biz Women Rock, episode 111. Woo! Hey, hey, what's going on? This is Katie Kermitzos. I'm your host of Biz Women Rock. This is the place where you will hear really inspirational and really honest stories from business women who have great journeys to share so that your business can truly be touched by it. Just in case you missed the last episode, which was with Pam Hendrickson, by the way, who is amazing, um, I wanted to make sure that you got the announcement that the show is now going live every Monday and Wednesday. So make sure you're tuning in, turning up that volume every Monday and Wednesday that you're listening. And uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen right away, that those extra couple of days towards the latter part of the week will give you a great opportunity to catch up. So tune on in and share the love with all the great businesswomen in your life. Now let's get going. Today's guest is Dr. Carrie Drizga, and she owns a company called Functional Medicine Ontario. She's obviously up in Canada, um, originally a Chicago gal, and um, she's got a really interesting story of how she has built a practice that originally started as a chiropractic practice and has now shifted into a functional medicine practice. What is so fascinating about this conversation is her explanation of how she really ended up finding her niche in her passion and how that ended up opening a lot of doors for her and then how she has built out her business since that major shift happened. Um, And she's doing everything very, very differently. So if you have a service-based business and you really wanna distinguish yourself not only in your brand, but the things that you're producing and actually um, offering, this is a really great interview to listen to. So let's get rolling. Dr. Carey, what's going on, girl? Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I'm suffering with a head cold today, so <laughs> my voice is going to be kind of squeaky as we're uh, as we're talking today, so I apologize for that. Oh, that's all right. You sound just fine. Uh, thank you for being with us here, even amongst your head cold. I know how painful that can be sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very, very excited to have you here, really excited to share your story. I We have had very few um, kind of healthcare practitioners on the show. So I'm really excited to hear your vantage point of business um, because especially in the healthcare space, physician space, chiropractor space, um, you don't often, you kind of forget that there's an entire business behind those services and those very needed services. So I'm really excited for you to shed some light on that through your story. So um, can you maybe um, give me a little bit of a background as to kind of how you got interested in healthcare in the first place and kind of your first forays into a career there? You know, when I was growing up, I always knew that I wanted to help people and and for it to have something to do with healthcare. But I knew that I did not want to be a medical doctor, and I knew that I did not want to be a nurse. But beyond that, I had no idea. And actually, I was working at the local library shelving books, and one day this book came across my cart, and it was about chiropractic. And I thought, huh, this looks interesting. I checked out the book. I read it. And I was quite amazed at how you could heal the body with just using your hands, you know, no drugs, no surgery, no blood, just your hands. And so that's what got me interested in chiropractic initially. Why did you, why, why did you have such a knee-jerk reaction to wanting, not wanting to be a doctor or a nurse? To me, that was just uh, 
the first thing that I thought of was stress, long hours and stress. And I knew that I did not want that in my life. I try to really achieve balance in my life. Well, and obviously chiropractic is exactly right up that alley. So you, you kind of stumbled <laughs> yeah. onto something perfectly. Now, so you ended up kind of doing all the work that you needed to in order to become a chiropractor. And then you opened your first practice in, back in 1996. What was that like actually starting up a practice of your own? And And I'm asking this because this very easily equates to somebody who is a practitioner um, and, uh, you know, like the, the typical e-myth, like you're the practitioner, you're the person who does this, but now all of a sudden you're actually, you, you kind of have to be a business person to actually do this stuff. So what, what were the, what were the first like couple of years like actually starting this practice for yourself? So the first couple of years were really hard <clears throat> in school. You know, they teach us how to be a doctor, but they don't teach us how to run a business. And so I was quite lucky that I had uh, my father-in-law was a chiropractor. And so I could, um, I could get information from him and my mother-in-law about how to do payroll, how to hire and fire people, um, booking and billing, all that kind of stuff. So I was kind of, excuse me, I was kind of uh, lucky to have that. But at the same time, it's a lot of work and you don't really realize how much time and effort and blood, sweat, and tears you have to put into something like that until you start running your own business. So it was really hard. And when I first opened my doors, I was very, very naive. And I think that's part of the line that they sold us while we were in school. And I think this applies to all healthcare practitioners, not just chiropractors. But they kind of tell you, you know, um, you're going to go out there. Now is the best time to be in the healthcare field. You're going to go out there, just open your doors, and people are just going to come find you. <laughs> and you know what? That does not work. <laughs> you found that out firsthand, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. So I struggled for many, many years because that's what I believed. Because that's what I was told. It was just silliness. So what was your natural reaction? Like, how did you then go like, oh, crap, there's crickets at my door. What do I go do? Like, what was your reaction? So I'm trying to think of some of the things that I did in my early years, like I would, I would hold food drives. I would do like the typical chiropractor, you know, offer a free visit or a free exam, you know, try and generate referrals that way. But uh, it was, nothing was really that successful. Hmm. So um, I guess how, how many years did you actually have that? And, and I'm saying this because you and I were talking before and we, you kind of divide up your... Um, I guess your business into a couple different parts. And this is really kind of phase one when you first opened this in 1996. How long did you, that phase last? That, that phase probably lasted for about five years. And it wasn't until I started transitioning my practice from a traditional chiropractic practice into doing more alternative medicine that my practice really started to pick up. So it was when I started doing more nutritional work and detoxification work with my patients that now I was seen as being different, different from any other chiropractor out there. So that's when my practice started to grow. How did you come across all of that stuff in the first place? And how did you really integrate it into what you were doing? Well, the truth is, at about five years into my practice, and I'll tell you that my husband is also a chiropractor. We met in chiropractic school, fell in love, and moved to Canada because his dad was a chiropractor too. So he came back to work for his dad, and I came to, uh, to open my own practice. But about five years in, I remember coming home one day, 
and sitting down with him and saying, you know, I'm not happy with, with my practice. I can't imagine doing this for the next 20, 30 years. You wow. know, do you feel like, like I do? And he said, no, I actually love what I do. Oh, wow. I was like, I was like okay. <laughs> Crap, darn it. <laughs> That's a moment when you start to feel a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, so then I just started searching for, for what was missing. And, and I realized that it was, for me, it was the patients that were not getting better that really frustrated me. And I was always thinking about, okay, why are they not, not getting better? What am I missing? And so then that's when I started transitioning into more alternative methods like nutrition and using herbs and using vitamins and whatnot. Wow. So obviously your patients were starting to actually get better from that stuff because it was working and now you were starting to kind of get known for that, right? Correct. So, and this is very interesting because the kind of the point that I want to make here and to really amplify is that really niching down and not just being a chiropractor, but actually niching down into an arena that you're passionate about actually can really open up the floodgates with a lot of people who are specifically looking for that, right? Absolutely. So what did you do to actually, like, what, what... I mean, I'm sure word of mouth, but like, what were you actually doing to kind of make sure that people knew that you were niching down and that that was a particular topic and people could get um, kind of alternative ways to be able to um, to heal there? You know, back then, a lot of it was just purely word of mouth. And you know that that is the best way to get uh, a new patient, a new client is purely through word of mouth. Okay, so I got to ask this question since you mentioned that your husband was a chiropractor too. Do you guys ever have like have you ever or were you or have you ever been like um, competitive with each other? Because if he was in the in the uh, practice with his dad and you had your practice, like were you comparing notes at the end of the day? Like how did that work? You guys kind of doing the same thing but doing it on different paths. Yeah, we were never really competitive in that way. It's nice having, you know, a spouse in the same profession because we can bounce ideas off of each other. We can talk about patients and whatnot. Um, but yeah, we were just never really competitive. And, and actually, it's kind of funny because now we work in the same building and we're actually neighbors. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot closer now. Now you don't have to wait until you get home in order to say hi. <laughs> that's right. That's so funny. Well, you had a major shift that took place. So once you started discovering the, kind of this alternative ways, these foods, these herbs, things like that, actually being able to have an effect, what did you do from there? Well, what happened was back in 2004, I took this course on functional medicine. And that completely changed the paradigm of what I thought healthcare should be about. And functional medicine is about finding the root cause of a health problem, fixing it with natural treatments so that you can really feel normal again and achieve a new level of health. And after taking this course, it just rocked my world. But I realized that I could not practice it in Ontario under my chiropractic license. And so I was like, torn, do I keep being a chiropractor or do I, do I shoot for this new thing, this functional medicine that I'm really passionate about. And finally, in 2008, I had a naturopath walk into my office, and I knew nothing about naturopathic medicine back then. And uh, after, after that practitioner left, it's kind of funny. I went online and I Googled, what is naturopathic medicine? 
and I read the scope of practice of a naturopath in Ontario, and I thought, holy crap, that's exactly how I want to practice. Wow. And so then I came home, and I was like, okay, dear, this is what I want to do. You know, and I'm always coming <laughs> home with these crazy ideas. <laughs> so he kind of like rolls his eyes. But, but I said, okay, here's the situation. I really want to do this. You know, what do you think about me going back to school? And he was totally okay with that. How long did the school take you? So I was really quite lucky because because I, I am already a doctor, I only had to do half the program. Oh, that's great. So I was, I, I took two years off. Basically, I had to move from Canada to Chicago to spend two years in school. And I would fly back and forth every month to, to see patients to still try and maintain some kind of a practice while I, while I was away. But that was a huge decision for me, going back to school. And like you were saying a little bit before about the importance of finding a niche to, 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 to work within and how once you find that niche, it really opens up the doors because that's, that's really what happened. You now have all of this new information and you also have a kind of five years of history of running a business that, you know, you kind of was, you were just kind of hum hum about. Now, what did you decide to do and, and what did that revitalize for you? Well, I knew once I graduated that I really needed to find a coach to help me with my business and not just any coach, but somebody who really who was a real business coach, you know, they ran successful businesses and that they could help teach me, you know, the rules of the road and, and, you know, learn from their mistakes and whatnot. So, so that was a big part of once I graduated for the second time of now looking at my business from a totally different standpoint and, and growing it at a, a, a phenomenal pace compared to just, you know, waiting and your doors are open and just waiting for people to find you. Uh, I guess, what was one of your biggest pain points that you had in the business prior to you going to school? And what did that, um, what did that end up like kicking into gear for you enough to be like, I need to hire a business coach? Like what was, what were one of those major pain points? <clears throat> Let's see, I think, I think one of the biggest pain points, and, and it came to me this year, <laughs> It came to me this year. It was actually, um, it was actually figuring out that I had a huge fear of success. Hmm, that's not uncommon, I think, for a lot of women. Actually, a lot of people, really. How did you like? How did you come across that? Well, I had decided last year that I wanted to write a book, and I knew that that was uh, an integral part of setting me uh, apart from anybody else in my profession, because not a lot of doctors write books. So I knew I needed to take that step. But my, my nature is that I'm very much an introvert. And just sitting down, I hadn't even like written one paragraph, but I was already afraid of the, the, you know, the success that would bring, the attention that would bring on me. And so I was paralyzed with fear probably for a good six to 10 months, honestly. Wow. And, and finally I realized that I am standing in the way of my own success. And so once I realized that and, 
and when I look at my, my hopes and my dreams, that I need to chunk them down into smaller, manageable steps. And by doing that, you know, I'm pushing the boundaries of my comfort zone, but I'm doing it in such a way that, that I'm able to, to manage those fears and get over them. Hmm. And now I'm at a point where, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm being interviewed regularly like, like we are right now. I have my own podcast. I have my Dr. Carrie TV. Um, the book is done. You know, it's out there. And so none of these things I would have been able to do a few years ago. So for me, that was the biggest hurdle in my entire career up to date. So the, this very first book that you ended up writing, how long did it take you to write once you kind of got beyond that, like once you had that moment of clarity? Honestly, once I had that moment of clarity, it was like done in four months. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it just flowed right out of me. That's great. Wow, that's really, really great. And then how did that end up starting to produce, you know, Dr. Carrie TV and, and really getting it out there? Because you really have to have a plan of, okay, now I have this book. Now I want to go do something with it. I mean, you need either a PR company to help you, you know, come and do that, or you need to be very proactive about getting the word out there. So what were your plans on, on kind of getting it out there? And, and what was your hopes for all of that? Well, again, part of that is having a business coach in my corner, guiding me along the, the best path for me. So that really helps. And, and a lot of what I'm doing, I'm doing myself. And I'm, I'm hiring other people to help me, like with the website, with posting this, posting that. And so along the way, you know, I'm slowly figuring out what I need to delegate and who to delegate it to. And, and that way I can keep a focus on what I do best. Right. And I love you saying that. So, I mean, just to kind of give a little bit of a, a backstory is that you, when you came out of, of school, it was about 2011 that you kind of restarted your practice. And so, you know, it's really been a couple of years that you've been building this back up with this new, um, you know, specific focus and actually doing it with a business coach. So do you, have you been working with a business coach that whole time? Yes, I have. Yeah. What do you, what do you think if there's someone listening who's considering getting a business coach um you know but either they think it's too expensive or whatever i can just talk to my friends about some of these issues or what have you what are the biggest um components that you would say are the, are the biggest positive factors of getting a business coach so first off it's always going to be expensive so you just have to you just have to suck it up and <laughs> I, I mean that it's the truth and, and for me it's like once I put my money where my mouth is, I'm going to do what he says. Mm. So the first year with my business coach, I signed up for like the, the cheapest, lowest uh, platform that you know, I could afford. And I didn't really do much that year. The second year, I anteed up for the most expensive platform. And, you know... It's, it's not easy on the pocketbook, but I do everything that he tells me to do. And so, so that's part of it. I, you know, I know that there's a financial commitment, but that, that also helps keep you accountable and helps, for me, that's what helps drive me. What is one of the most challenging things that you and your coach have come up with that you need to now go work on that you're like, I don't know if I could do that, and then you just have to figure it out? Uh, one of the things that we're working on right now is putting together uh, an info product for me. 
And so for me, I'm just thinking like, oh my gosh, I, like, I don't know what to do. That's a big, <laughs> I've never that's done a big anything project. like this. Yeah. I know I need to do it, but it's just, it's like, it's like, uh, it's, my brain has to adjust and think in a totally new way. And so that's the beauty of having a business coach is that they're there to help guide me along and to help, you know, if I'm making a bad decision, my coach will speak up and say, you know, I don't agree with that. So he'll, he'll flat why. out challenge you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so when it comes to hiring a business coach, it is, it is so well worth it. And, and the fact that it keeps you accountable because you can have friends and you can have colleagues and you can talk and la la la, but they're not really keeping you accountable. Dr. Carey, you mentioned that, you know, a little bit before that you have, um, you know, like, you know, where your skill set lies, and you're trying to kind of either hire out for for the things that it's not worth your time, or it's that's not really where your time's supposed to be spent. What is your skill set? Like, what, what kind of owner are you? Like, where do you lie? My skill set is really having patience in front of me. That's where I really shine. And so whatever, whatever we can do to get patience in front of me, that's what we do. And then my other skill set, and that's, that's one that I've had to learn, is the, the whole marketing aspect. Because as a business owner, you have to do your primary skill. For me, it's being a doctor. And then your other skill has to be the marketing. Mm. And those are the two things that I know I need to focus on and really every business owner needs to focus on. Really, everything else can be delegated, and that happens in due time you know, as you grow and evolve. Now, you've brought on, um, I think you said you had uh, two staff members who really kind of help you administratively and, you know, with just all that back-end paperwork that you forget that that doctors really have to take care of. What was it like kind of hiring that first person? Um, because, you know, you, you really seem like somebody who kind of goes into it and you want to take care of it all of, all of yourself. You want it to be really, really excellent and amazing. What was it like actually hiring that first person? Let's see. It's, it's fun and it's scary all at once. Um, uh, my uh, zodiac sign is a Leo, so I'm very much, I want to be in control. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, uh, so what I've learned over the years is that I have to relinquish control and it can't always be the way that I want to have things done. And, and then with, with having staff, um, they, they might not think the same way that I do. Or they might not do things the same way as I do. So some of that has really been uh, a learning curve to, to, especially when it comes to delegating, to just let people do what they do best without me interfering. Now, what about things that you might do? Because you're a small business, um, you know, there's three of you in the office, basically. Um, are there things that you do to, to really establish some sort of a culture? Because when people start thinking about business and company culture, they, they think about higher, you know, fortune 10 companies and their com- culture that they have. But it's very possible for a small business to have a culture. So what kind of culture do you have? And what, what kind of things have you done to sort of ensure that your internal office actually works well together? Oh, that's a great question. What have I done? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I try and keep it lighthearted. Um, I always say thank you to my employees after we're done with a shift. I always look them straight in the eye and just say, let them know, thank you. I appreciate you know your help today. Um, and uh, I, I let them know if they have any if they have any questions or if they have any ideas. 
you know, bring them up, um, that I'm more than happy to, to listen. And, and oftentimes they'll have better ideas than I do. I guess that's, I haven't really focused on culture. So that's probably the, about what it is at this point. Now, one of the things that's really fascinating to me is that there's this constant theme within your practice and especially really kicking it off when you really decided to be specific in your niche that, you know, you're different and you do things very different. Your website, it's all over the place. We are different. We don't do things the way that, you know, they're normally done, which is a really great thing. Um, Has that been part of your marketing strategy? Like, how do you how do you use that? How do you distinguish that for people? Yeah, I think one of the one of the key points that I learned <clears throat> within the last couple of years, and I think it was Dan Kennedy who said this, is to look at what everybody else is doing in your field and do the exact opposite. And that's a hard thing to wrap your head around. But once you start doing that, uh, people, you know, you, you stand out from the crowd. It, it's a little bit like the there's a famous business book called The Purple Cow. You know, if you were driving past uh, a pasture full of cows and there was one purple one, uh, well, heck, you're going to, that's the one that you're going to be like, whoa, that is, what is going on over there? Right. That is a purple cow. <laughs> <laughs> a purple cow. So, yeah. So, uh, looking at what everybody else is doing in my profession. So, so like I said, uh, very few doctors write a book. So, I wanted to write a book. I knew that would immediately you know, set me apart from the majority of the doctors in my profession. I have multiple websites. Again, that sets me apart from what they're doing. I only accept certain patients into my practice. And in order for them to become a patient, they have to, uh, they have to apply. So, so that oh, wow. sets me apart. I've got a podcast. I've got Dr. Carrie TV. You know, hardly anybody's doing that stuff. So, so all of those things make you different and unique, and and really, you can apply that no matter what business you're in. Do you have some sort of like a retention rate or because you're, like, is the goal to really get them healthy so that they don't have to see you, or because you're in this sort of um, holistic medicine space, uh, you know, are you sort of keeping them on a plan? And, and if so, does that have a direct impact on the bottom line of your business? Like, I guess I want a, a little bit of clarity around how you deal with clients, because we all know that it costs, you know, X amount of dollars in order to acquire this one, you know, patient. But what do you do with them once you have them? What really interests me are uh, more difficult case, more difficult cases, chronic cases, people that have had health problems for years that, you know, nobody's been, nobody else has been able to help them. Those are the patients that I really like to see. And so that's a whole different demographic. Typically when they come in, their health is at a state where it's going to take a couple of years to fix. And, uh, and then after that, you know, we try and transition them to, okay, you were, you were sick. Now we finally, finally have you healthy now let's keep you healthy and putting them into some kind of a maintenance program. If it's, you know, they see me once or twice a year and we discuss, um, you know, the, the vitamins, you know, the key vitamins they need to be on or the, the, the blood work that needs to be done to make sure like they're not, their health is not slipping backwards. So, so that's what I'm doing differently in order to, to re- retain my patients longer too. Um, what kind of effects have your podcast had on your business? 
let's see, the podcast has come out, I think it was, it's been out for about a month now. And so I'm just starting to see the effects of that. It's interesting because the new patients will call up and we'll always ask them, well, how did you hear about us? And more and more of them are saying, well, I heard, I heard her podcast or wow. I heard about functional medicine and I Googled and I found her or something like that. That's pretty amazing. I, I mean, really what I'm hearing is that you're, what you're doing is really um, raising your profile and you're really working on your brand. And so you're doing that by creating a book, by creating, you know, Dr. Carrie TV, by having this podcast. And so you're putting yourself out there in all these mediums so that you yourself as a brand are really respected and really garner the attention from uh, potential clients for that. Yes, that's right. That's exactly what I'm doing. I love that. Um, so what is the big vision? Where Where are you going right now? Let's see. I, the big vision. Well, I guess, you know, part of it is that many people don't realize that within the next few years, we are about to face a major health crisis in North America as the baby boomers are getting older and sicker. And, and then we have this whole population of young people that are uh, developing diabetes in their teens and 20s. And then this obesity epidemic that really the, the projections for our healthcare system, and this is both Canada and the U.S., is that, uh, is that the economy um, will most likely become crippled because of people's poor health and that it could possibly bankrupt our countries. And so, you know, a lot of people don't even know that. And so that's a really scary, you know, future. And so one of my visions for my company is to have um, the best functional medicine practice in Ontario and then in Canada and then in North America, because I really want to help bring functional medicine to the forefront of healthcare in North America, because I really think it is, it should be the new paradigm. You know, healthcare right now is really, it's not really healthcare, it's actually disease care. Hmm. I like and that so, distinction. That's very true. Yeah. So I think what we, we need is real healthcare. And, and part of that is offering real preventative medicine. And, and I know that functional medicine can do that. So, so that's part of the vision for the future. I love that. Well, I want to transition into the final segment of the show, which is your favorite five. Are you ready? Sure. All right. So what is, we'll start with your favorite business tool. My favorite business tool. You know what? I think it's probably the whiteboard. I have this ginormous whiteboard. Nice. uh, In my home office, which is a total mess. (laughs) But, and I'm a very visual person, so I've got stacks of papers everywhere. So on my whiteboard is where I write all of the things that I need to do. And, and that's the one thing, and it's like so basic. But I, I've got my list, and then I write things, and I erase them as I, I make progress, and that helps keep me on task. I love that. I love that. Um, how about your favorite book, business or otherwise? <clears throat> my favorite book is The Slight Edge. Have you ever read that one? I don't think so, No. So the slight edge is about using the principle of it's, it's actually the small things that you do day in and day out, or it's the small things that you're not doing day in and day out that are either, either bringing you closer to your goal or farther away from your goal. You know, in business, we kind of think of we need to do these big, giant things, 
but it's actually the small things that can make the biggest impact. Mm. And, and that's in business, that's in health, in fitness, that it applies to all areas of your life. So just as I was talking earlier about writing my book, I, you know, at one point I just took it day by day. Okay, today I'm going to work on this section. And then tomorrow I'm going to work on that section. And before I knew it, within four months it was done. Wow. So little, little bites of it. Yeah. That's great. All right. How about um, you're a huge advocate for f- food as medicine. What is one of your favorite foods? One of my favorite foods is, um, is flank steak. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of people, they think, oh, Dr. Carey, are you a vegetarian? And I say, no, I have a flank steak marinating in my refrigerator right now. <laughs> it's a uh, garlic and rosemary balsamic vinegar uh, marinade. Oh, it's so good on the barbecue. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. What about you are in Canada? What are, What is one of your favorite Canadian cities? One of my favorite Canadian cities, uh, I would say, is uh, Banff. It's just beautiful out there in the Rocky Mountains. Mm, I've never been up there. I always hear so many great things and never been up there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the very, very last question is... Um, with you and your husband both being, uh, you know, doctors and very, very hard workers, what do you guys love to do for date night? Favorite date night place or thing? Favorite date night thing? You know, I <laughs> we've been married now for 18 years. Um, so, you know, it's so silly, but something just as simple as we go out to the movies and, you know, we just hold hands during the movies Maybe go out for dinner after that. Just something just so simple like that. I love that. After 18 years, yeah. That's what, <laughs> that's what thrills us. <laughs> what's, what's the best movie you've seen recently with him? Let's see. Most recently, I think it was, oh, what's the name of that movie? It was with Jennifer Aniston and uh, that guy from Saturday Night Live, and they were on this road trip. Oh, it was so ridiculously funny. Oh, I have no idea what that one is. Uh, oh, it, uh, Meet meet the Millers? We're the oh, Millers. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, oh, I know what Oh, my God, that about. is a funny movie. Gotcha. Very raunchy, but funny. Very nice. I like the raunchy movies. Well, um, Dr. Carey, thank you so much for being here and um, and for sharing your story and uh, just really for being able to, you know, share with us about your journey, and, and I just really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on. really enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Carey. I think one of the most unique things about what she's doing is how she's totally turning that industry upside on its head as far as how people are interacting with her uh, and doing it deliberately to be different and to be distinguishable than any other, uh, you know, kind of doctor out there. Um, what I found most interesting was that you actually have to apply to be a patient of hers. I loved that. I just thought that that was so cool in really establishing what kind of culture her business is and how patients are interacting with her and vice versa. It just was wonderful. And of course, that she is actually creating a lot of product. She's creating a lot of platforms where she can build her brand, which is so much bigger than just her practice. Really smart lady. And uh, I was just so happy to have her on the show. Thank you so much for listening today and I'll see you on the next episode. 